0: This is Hops and Spirits Bar Conversations. Come for the craft beer, bourbon, whiskey, and great drinks. Stay for the conversations. Here's your host, Jonathan Green.
1: Welcome back to another edition of the Bar Conversations. It's another great episode, aren't they all? Maybe I'm just a little biased. We got the Western Express for our Bar Conversations, their country music duo out of Texas. I guess they're truly a band, but we talked to two of them. As they have a brand new album out now. Also, for our uh, tasting notes, it's still Cocktails 101, and Jake Solick will be talking about the sour recipe that is and how you can build off of it and what all goes in it. Uh, but before we even get into tasting notes and our bar conversations, I want to pass along some information. As you know, I'm based in Kentucky, and uh, Eastern Kentucky uh, has had a, um, a tough time with the flooding recently. Our thoughts and prayers. Go out to all of those folks involved and uh, trying to clean up everything down there. And you can help the Kentucky Distillers Association, the Bourbon Crusaders Charitable Organization, and uh, a guest of this show, Fred Menick, are joining forces once again, this time to support recovery and rebuilding efforts from the catastrophic flooding in eastern Kentucky. The Kentucky Bourbon Benefit will feature an online auction of exclusive private barrel selection experiences, rare and vintage spirits, and unique tasting and tourism offerings from Kentucky's Signature uh, Distilling Industry and Hospitality and Charitable Partners. The online auction will begin on August 11th at noon Eastern and run until Sunday, August 21st at 11 p.m. Eastern. Go to kybourbonbenefit.com to view auction items and bid. All proceeds will go directly to the state's official Team Eastern Kentucky Flood Relief Fund to assist those impacted by flooding. So again, kybourbonbenefit.com to help out all of those folks. And also get some really cool things in the process. Like I said, our Bar Conversations is with the Western Express. And up next is our Tasting Notes with Jake Selleck.
0: Enjoy. It's almost time. Where did I I put those? Here they are. (laughs) It's time for Tasting Notes. Joining us
1: here once again on Cocktails 101 here on Tasting Notes is Jake Selleck. He's the beverage director partner with the Professors LLC. Jake, welcome back. Thanks, Jonathan. And on our first one this month, and if you guys missed it, you got to check it out. It gives you all the basics on what to do uh, when wanting to get into cocktails from the tools to, you know, what you're mixing with to the liqueurs and, and liquors that you're going to need. But if we're going past that, now it's time to get into the recipe making. And you always joke with me that I should be able to do these. And it's a 50-50 chance sometimes <laughs> uh, on, on how good I, I, I can do, but I've gotten better uh, but with that said, what's a good recipe that we can start with and, and kind of build from?
0: So I, I, when I'm teaching people how to do this, uh, one of the templates we always start off with is going to be a basic sour recipe. Because if you have a, a really good sour recipe, all of your drinks that have a sour element, any kind of citrus juice, will always work with this recipe. I joke about making cocktails. You know, it's 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 a lot like baking. You really only need three ingredients to make bread, but the different proportions of those ingredients result in a different quality of bread. Cocktails are the same way. Now some people have, we're gonna offer different sour templates than the one that I have today, but this one will always work for you no matter matter what. So the first one I wanna talk about is the sour recipe. Sours actually come from something called punch, which goes back four or 500 years in history. It always had five ingredients. You had strong, weak sweet sour and spice over the course of the development of america between the revolution and the 1830s you saw a rise in a lot of bar culture here and people started demanding punch made their own way and so our earliest bartenders created something called the sour all it is is just a miniature version of a big bowl of punch so it's simplified into three ingredients you've got your strong, which is your spirit, your sweet, which is some kind of sugar, and then your sour, which is citrus juice. And the template that I teach people, you want to do half an ounce of sweet, three-quarter ounce of citrus, and two ounces of spirit. And that ratio will always work for every drink.
1: Now, when you say punch, are we talking about back in our college days when someone would do something fun in a, in a big ice chest? Is that what we're that's, kind of talking about?
0: <laughs> that's, that's what they often looked like. They were in fancier bowls at, at the time. But the idea was to create a large format communal drink that everyone would have to get together around and talk about how work was today and politics and everything else that people talked about in the tavern at the end of the workday. Um, They were a little bit lower uh, in alcoholic quantity, like we tended to use a lot of fortified wines, champagne rather than some of the harder spirits we use today. But people wanted to drink that flavor profile, but they wanted it their way and they wanted it fast. And so the American bar culture created the sour. The whiskey sour is probably the easiest and most ubiquitous that we see today. Really easy half an ounce of sugar syrup, three quarter ounce of lemon juice, and then two ounces of whiskey of your choice. You shake that, fine strain it into a rocks glass with some ice, and you've got a perfect whiskey sour.
1: And when you say this can kind of go across the way, pretty much any type of spirit can be used in this format. It just will probably produce different types of flavors depending on on the juice that you use as well.
0: Exactly, if you look at your classic recipe for a daiquiri, for example, It's half an ounce of sugar syrup, three-quarter ounces of lime juice, and two ounces of a nice white rum. It's exactly the same. Now typically with a daiquiri we would shake it and fine strain it maybe up into a Nick and Nora or a coupe glass. So we might and maybe serve it with a lime on the side. We'd serve it a little bit differently but the actual recipe for it's the same. There's a great gin cocktail called a Southside. It's half an ounce of sugar syrup three-quarter ounces of lime juice, two ounces of gin. You throw a little bit of mint in the shaker. Same thing, shake it, fine-strain it into a coop, and you've got a south side. It's really just a gin sour um, kind of put together a little bit differently, but the recipe, the sour ratio is always the same.
1: And then when you're saying the syrup, are you you kind of talking a simple syrup that we would see on on the shelves, or, or is it something different?
0: Yeah, just, just a simple syrup. I like doing a two to one syrup in my sours. That means two cups of sugar to one cup of water. It's a little bit more concentrated, you get a little bit more flavor out of it um, than just a one to one syrup. Uh, and it's, the difference in your syrup weight is why you often see different sour recipes online. Sometimes if you notice somebody will have more sugar than somebody else and it's probably just because they're using a different weight, a different amount of sugar in their syrup. But if you always just make a two to one and have it at home, then this half, three quarter, two ounce recipe will always work. And if you make a two to one syrup at home, the higher level of sugar will actually act as a fortifying agent and it'll help the sugar stay bacteria free. So it's just a good practice to do at home anyways.
1: And then if you go out because you're like me and you get nervous about trying to make anything into your house, what are those ones out on the on the on the shelves at a liquor store? Those type of simple serves? Are those two to ones, one to ones, or do they vary?
0: Yeah. Uh, they they vary. Generally, you can check the back of it, and um, you just want to look for something that's that's a little bit more concentrated, or you can taste it. Uh, you know, if you buy a little like sixteen ounce bottle of simple syrup, and you're not really sure how sweet it is, make a whiskey sour at home using the half an ounce three quarter ounce two ounce recipe and if it's a little bit too tart then you know well you know what this probably doesn't quite have enough sugar in it so you can just add another quarter ounce just bump it up a little bit and then it should be perfectly balanced after that
1: well i love this jake i love a good whiskey sour it's one of my favorite cocktails and i appreciate this as always
0: of course thanks Remember to check out Hops and Spirits on social media at Hops Spirits All One Word on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also find Hops and Spirits on YouTube and at Hopspirits.com.
1: Joining us here for the Bar Conversation is Steven Castillo and Phil Brush, better known as the Western Express. Guys, welcome in.
2: Howdy, thanks. Good
1: now to be here. for those watching, which one is which? Which one's Steven? Which one's Phil?
2: I'm Steven. I'm Feltz, Phil. <laughs>
1: well, welcome in, guys. Welcome in. I always like to ask this question. You know, I, since you guys you guys are based in Austin, correct? Yeah, yeah, Austin. So I, I decided to go into oh! stash and get a little still Austin. Um, the musician, fittingly, uh, straight bourbon whiskey. So you guys got anything good tonight?
2: I just tried that for the first time this weekend. It was good. Did you like it? Yeah, I, I, it was if, good.
1: If you can't tell... I might have enjoyed a little yeah, bit. You, you, you put it down. Uh, yeah,
3: I like I like that. I, we were, I was right next to there today. I was picking up our our first T-shirt order, and it was T-shirt printing shop is right next to their uh, there still.
1: I love it. I love it. Now, now I'm guessing you guys aren't drinking anything as strong tonight, are you? No, just a beer. Yeah, <laughs> the old Lone Star. <laughs> I was gonna say now. Do you guys enjoy a a beer and whiskey, or do you guys mix it mix it up? What what's your go to drinks normally?
2: I I'm a Jameson shot in the Miller Lite most of the time. Mm. I mean, I'll drink Lone Star, you know, if that's that's what's on hand. But I I don't really get and I, you know Dos Equis is about the highest pay grade for me <laughs> when it comes to beer. Like I don't really get above that very often. But I think Phil's a little more adventurous than I am. I'm
3: adventurous. Yeah, I'm, I'm willing to.
2: Someone turned me on to.
3: Espalón recently taking tequila shots, like one of those, a little bit ten minutes before on stage. That's pretty good, and then an hour and a half afterwards, <laughs> we're playing like a two-hour set. An hour afterwards, that usually is like pretty right on.
1: <laughs> there you go. I was gonna say I've had a few folks tell me they do a little whiskey or something, you know, to to warm up those vocal cords, uh, is what they say. It helps warm them <laughs> <That's> up. <laughs> something like that's that. That's what they say.
2: <laughs> yeah, definitely get a little looser.
1: Now I got to ask this question as, as you know, as we'll, we'll, we'll talk about kind of some of the, the new album that you guys have coming out, all that, but did you two really meet through Craigslist <laughs> and it, and it ended up well.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. Phil tells
2: this story really well. Yeah.
3: There, there was a lot of people before where it didn't end up well, to be fair. That's <laughs> the, I waded through the mire. So, uh, yeah, we met on Craigslist. I, I was looking, I've been looking for work and like, I started playing bass moved to Austin, looking for work, trying to find people to play with. And I went through so many ads of people. I want to play country music. Here's some songs and oh, so God awful. Most of the time, it was like the people I was like, these people, I don't even think they've ever listened to Merle Haggard or Willie Nelson or anything. they just think like you play guitar, you play country music. <laughs> and then I heard Steve and I remember it was like a breath of fresh air. I was like, oh my, and some of those songs are on the record. And I was like, okay, this, this guy actually knows what he's talking about. Like he, he's, he's listened to country music before. And it wasn't, I mean, it was in a matter of hours. We were having a beer. Yeah, Went to the Continental Club, had a beer. Uh, it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. We're like, okay, let's, let's try to make something happen.
1: Well, and and, and uh, you know, uh, Stephen. I mean, what 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 was it like when you you found found Phil on on Craigslist or vice versa? You know, whenever he reached out.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, I it, it's funny. I I had written these songs and I just had no idea what to do with them. You know, like I didn't know. I was not like a musician in town. You know, I was a I worked in tech. Like I was just a guy who wrote some songs and I liked them you know and i thought they were pretty good and so it, i i was on Craigslist cuz i had no idea what else to do you know with these songs and so i was just thrilled as like sweet like i don't know if i haven't gonna have it with the rest of the band but phil wants to play bass he likes a song. let's let's start doing this thing like i don't know we'll try what i remember telling phil at the time like what if we could play one gig a month like how cool would that be if we knew we were going to have one gig every month like that'd be awesome we rehearsed <laughs> a couple times and you know, play the gig. And, uh, now, you know, the, the, it got away from us clearly
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, all the way to a, to a, to an album. And yeah. I mean, I mean, wait, so how did it go from there? Did you guys actually start doing gigs and did it, was it naturally like a, a band kind of grew out of it or how did it kind of work?
2: Well, I mean, we played in a band together for, I guess, I mean, a year before we started the Western express together but I don't think, I mean, Phil and I were not particularly close friends at, in that time. I mean, we played in a band together. We, you know, we, we were pals when we played music together, but we didn't like hang out much outside of, you know, band stuff. And we were playing, you know, about once a month, you know, something like that, a couple of times a month. Um, and that band was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
3: It had it had some seeds of goodness because yeah. we played some of the same songs we play now. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's true. A Me few true. other people answered that Craigslist ad, so yeah. those were the people. And we had other lives, and you know, our lives weren't entwined. We had girlfriends and things we were trying to keep together, which eventually fell apart. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah,
2: both of us. Both <laughs> of us. Which we got a whole another album's worth of music out. Oh, yeah, of, I was, was going awesome. to
1: say there. Yeah. There you go, another another uh, <laughs> yeah. songs out of that. Oh,
2: uh, Yeah. So
3: it just, it was, you know, it was, that was good coming back together and forming the Western Express and Stephen saying, all right, I want to try and take this more seriously. Cause that, that was, we had invested cause we weren't excited about taking it seriously. And once we're like, let's try to take it seriously and actually do something, we gotten feedback. Like people said, I want to hear that song again. or I really like this. And once you start getting that feedback, it's kind of like, okay, well let's move forward. This is actually, this is good material. Which I like to think that I knew from the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope that's 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 what I hold
2: on to. I'm like I have good taste. <laughs> you just that's gotta find the right skill. puzzle pieces. It is a skill. <laughs> not everybody has good taste. No,
1: that's that's true. No, no, no. Unfortunately, they they do they do not. But obviously, you guys are are now figuratively, if you're watching the episode, they're very close. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so. But I mean, what was it like, kind of taking that next step and you know trying to to build out what is what became and what is now the Western Express and and you know build that that up?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, the 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 way I've phrased it recently is that we just had to dig it out of the dirt. I mean, we really. I mean, Phil and I were a year in, you know, playing together at that point when we started the band, or roughly, you know, maybe a little bit more, but. You know, we we didn't we still didn't have like connections, you know, and we didn't have we didn't really I didn't know really anybody in this town or in the music scene, even a year. in, I knew very few people. Phil knew a few more than I did, certainly. But I I really didn't know anybody. And so, I mean, it we had to get a gig and then put a death grip on it and be as good as we can be and, you know, be good enough that people would take notice. And, you know, it's like write better songs, sing better, play the bass better, you know, like or arrange the songs better, like, you know, entertain better between songs. I mean, all those things are things that we learn just by, you know, putting a death grip on the first gig we could get and not letting go, you know. And and then when we learned, we went to drop and kick school, <laughs> you know, we made mistakes and and tried to recover from them and try to do it better next time and. Um, you know, so for us, I mean, I think like that first summer, we our first gig was like June of 2019 as the Western Express. And, I mean, you know, I mean, that summer I was playing 20 gigs a month all in Austin. You know, I was racing from one to the next, just trying to, you know, trying to get better and trying to, you know, practice the material and get the songs out there, get people hearing the songs. And because that's always been, I mean, I think from the beginning, even when Phil and I first talked on Craigslist or, you know, after the Craigslist, is I wanted to play original music. You know, I didn't want to be a cover band. You know, we'll sing cover songs because that's part of the job, and I'm glad to do that. But I, I really, I mean, I, I always wanted I always wanted us to make it on the original music. You know, that, that was always kind of my vision for how the Western Express would go. And so, you know, all those gigs, you know, kind of grinding it out that first, especially that first year, it was like, Play the originals, get them in front of people, get people singing along to them, get people recognizing them, you know, and get people's attention with the original music. You know, that was really our, that was kind of always our our strategy. Um, Suck them in with a George, yeah, suck them in with a George Strait song and then hit them with one of yours, you know, it works every time. Every time. It works every time.
1: I feel like that could also be a song on an upcoming album. It could also be a
2: song on an upcoming album. We'll give you credit. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah you know the the name the Western Express, uh, how did you you settle on that and I, I'm, I know reading about it I kind of have an idea but but how did you guys come about with that?
3: Well, I tell you I kick myself all the time because I'm it's hard to say we're both huge Willie Nelson fans. I feel like I started maybe a little bit bigger and now Stevens <laughs> we're, we keep kind of pushing past each other and, and the, who's a bigger Willie Nelson fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and we had named originally the band after one of our songs, the, the, first, the first group we played in. And when that kind of, we knew it wasn't going anywhere and it was time to reform, Stephen just thought of, hey, the Western Express, that's the name of Willie Nelson's radio show back in the 50s and 60s in Fort Worth and Oregon and all these places. And like, oh, that's pretty much perfect. It tells people what we're doing, but it's not obnoxious. Yeah. And uh, yeah. it has a connection to something that means a lot. to to both of us and to country music
2: yeah so it kind of just feels like yeah that that makes sense it yeah i don't think i ever i mean for the from the minute it occurred to me that that would be the band name i don't think i've ever doubted it really the the guy who was originally one of the guys who was originally in the band he he tried he kind of cast some doubt on it he didn't he wasn't so sure about it at first and I, i just was like man i i think you might be wrong (laughs) (laughs) it <laughs> <laughs> might be why he's no longer with you <laughs> or, or,
1: least, or at least one of the, the, the reasons
2: Yeah, but like Phil said I mean, there, there's such a sentimental aspect there Because we really are I mean, Phil's a much bigger fan of Willie's music He knows a lot more Willie's music than I do But, but I would say as far as like a fan of Willie's life You know, and like with the, just kind of the study we, We've both read his biography a million times you know we just know his life story and taking a lot of inspiration from his life story not just his music you know and so uh, i think that, uh, that the name has a lot of sentimental value i think to both of us which is cool
1: well i mean i was gonna say it kind of goes with in a sense the style of music that you play i mean or the, the hope that you're playing a little bit of that 80s 90s kind of themes and so forth with the writing but you know putting your spin on it i mean how would you explain what what people get to hear when they hear the Western Express? I know that's a loaded question.
2: I don't know, like a like a border town honky tonk. Oh,
1: does like that does that resonate? <laughs> I mean, I, when you hear the album, it does. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, I yeah, because I mean, we're we de- we're definitely a
2: honky tonk band. I mean, we you know we've made our our entire living has been made in dance halls so far. You know, we teach dance lessons, we play for dancers. I mean, it's a, we've come up, we've cut our teeth as a dance hall band. You know, there's no doubt. And, and all of the songs, I mean, every song I've pretty much ever written, I've intentionally written with the dance. I'm a dancer as well. I'm a 2 stepper, And so I know the good dance beats. I know how to find them and how to write them. And so all of them have that, even the ones that sound like they're from across the border, you know, so um you know and a lot of those we, we it's got a southwest feel to it I, I wrote a lot of these songs um kind of after i took a trip to the desert a few years ago and went solo out to arizona and then hit like marfa and interlingua and in west texas on the way back and and just got a lot of inspiration from from the desert and I, I i came back with themes in my head you know kind of vague ideas of how i wanted my music to sound and you know with the themes i wanted it to deal with and that kind of stuff and so um, yeah, I mean, I think, it, yeah, border town, honky tonk. I, I can't, I don't know that I can think of a better way. It's pretty good. I don't know if we've said that before, but that hits the nail on the head. I think.
3: Yeah. Well, and
1: you, you both are from, from Texas. I know you're kind of born in Houston and, you know, I believe one of you kind of went a little further outside of, <laughs> uh, outside of the city for a little while, but what impacted Texas? Cause I mean, in, in my mind, you know, talking to a bunch of folks that have been in, in Texas country music and stuff, it's different. It's just a totally different environment down there, um, per se, than you know maybe elsewhere in the in the world when it comes to kind of country music. So, how big of an impact did Texas have on on y'all?
3: I think it uh, it feels something like you can kind of do what you want here and make your and make an impact and and a lot of that like steven said is is the dance halls is is even though you know maybe dying or has fluctuated throughout the past 50 years there's a lot of bands and there's still many people it's like you can make a living or make half a living just playing in texas playing dance halls if you play like the dance beats and and willing to carry on some tradition and, and then you're bold enough to carry on you know make your own traditions then then you kind of have a shot of Maybe a shot of bursting out, but if you don't, there's still a lot of people here who want to listen to you and who care about not just the covers you play, but the original music you're making. People here are thirsty for for good country music that's not all covers. They really, they want it. And it's kind of a response to uh, what you hear on the radio. I mean, someone said that to us on Saturday uh, when we played a gig and this woman who I didn't even realize has been following us for two years. Said you know she's uh, I love what you guys are doing and it's nothing like what's on the radio and that's all BS and and I just can't wait to see you guys later this week and just one person like that really that'll keep you going all week or all month. Remember, okay, it's not just in, in the void. It's making a difference. It's people who really care and who want to come out and hear what you're doing and hear what they're, what's next. What's the next song you got?
1: Mm-hmm. So when you
3: have that going, that's that'll keep you going.
1: Right. No, it totally does. Well, and I, I believe I read, too, where, you know, if you can't tell, they're, they, they're a little different. If you're watching, they're they they a little different, Stephen and Phil. I read that I <laughs> think you said you guys are, are the the perfect combination. You're the yin and the yang, <laughs> so <Yeah>. to speak.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think so. Yeah. It's cool to see over
3: the years now, say the years, where we're like, we've also filled in each other's gaps a little bit. Yeah. We're like... A short example is like yeah i wasn't doing much honky tonk dancing certainly before i met steven as we got closer now i'm like trying just to get better and i was out dancing last night he's was, out more than i, I'm I am i'm going go man. out tonight <laughs> after this so yeah. like, that's part of my job i'm, I'm like, going to bed steven can't do it he's got stuff to do in the morning so i gotta go on honky tonk <laughs> he's gotta hold down and the and steven moments. now steven i rolled up and i had a camper on the back of my truck and had been driving around in my truck for the last five years before this playing music and Spending time in the outdoors. Steven's got a camper on his truck now. He's <laughs> just waiting to get that. Yeah. When are we going to go out to the country so I can sleep in my truck again? Uh, we're heading out to the country this weekend. Going to stay out in the woods on Saturday night in between two of our gigs. So look at the stars and drink some whiskey. I'm um, so yeah, looking
2: forward I, to that. I, I don't think I've been camping more than twice in the five years before I met Phil. And in the last 12 to 18 months, I bet I've been five or six times. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, so you are the Western express now. (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) This kind
2: of happened, but we, we really do. I mean, we really, in so many ways, I think, and especially like when it comes to the, like the band side of things, I mean, you know, I, I've hated every job I've ever had, (laughs) you know, uh, because none of those jobs was just being creative. You know, and and thank God for Phil, because like if without Phil, there would be I mean, there might be a Western Express band, but we would not be like in any way as like on like this path of success that we are on right now. Like I would still just be some dipshit, like singing songs (laughs) at the bar. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I got my songs like no one cares, you know, and like but it's like Phil is the amplifier, like because Phil takes. He takes all the creative stuff that I can do. And I mean, you know, like I'm, I'm kind of doing on most of it. I mean, I'm writing the songs, you know, I hired the producer. I, you know, my girlfriend did that, the album art, but I did the graphic design, like, you know, choosing the art for the the t-shirts. Like I kind of get to just have an awesome job where I just create all the time. Like I get to have the creative scope, you know, but I can't do, I can't book. Are you kidding me? Like, i can't i can't like balance a checkbook like there's no way like i don't know how to, i can't organize and like get a band i can't get six people to show up at the same place at the right oh, time with all the stuff that they need to be successful like we need phil for all of those things you know um so thank god you know because again i mean i i might be the creative driving force but without phil it none of it gets off the ground you know so yeah personality wise we're a good fit but i think that that really it's, it comes through the most in our, you know, just kind of bit, the band business. So I
1: was gonna say, you know, I, I was gonna ask about that because Phil, you're you're kind of you handle, I'd say the the business side side of things to to some degree. What what drew yeah. you to that, and you know, kind of doing that? Because I mean, you're 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 the manager. You you book the gigs, you find the gigs, and that's a lot of work.
2: <laughs> we lot we're of just work. talking about that. <laughs> uh, I think it
3: comes from a couple things. One, originally, too especially before I even knew Steven and looking around with all these people I didn't know. I'd be like, well, who can I trust? (laughs) No one person I can trust. That's me. (laughs) Who's going to hold the $500 of the band fund? And, you know, you've heard it doesn't happen probably as much anymore, but I'm sure it does. Just horror stories of people losing money losing gigs, losing all kinds of stuff. And I'm like, I know how to do these things. And and prior to this, my previous dream and career, I was a, a wilderness guide. And I was guiding out in California and kind of ascended to guide this wilderness program not just being a guide but directing the program so i would do it was kind of similar except i was both me and steven i'd do everything i would be guiding (laughs) trips and planning activities for kids but also recruiting the kids recruiting the staff by the end i was basically doing everything except you know the insurance which the camp would handle but uh i did all that and it was it was a good lesson on how to run a business and and how to hustle, and how to kind of do the things you don't want to do to get to the things you really want to do. It's like, do I really want to be calling these parents, get their kids on a <laughs> wilderness trip? Not that much, but do I want to be on a wilderness trip, climbing a mountain, like teaching these kids about life and outdoor skills and responsibility? Yeah, I do want to be doing that. And so it's it's been cool. And I'm fortunate because I get to absorb... A lot of lessons from Stephen about how to kind of go about creative things and how to think about things and vice versa. And Stephen, I know if I have to call upon hey, I need you to get this stuff together and send us email or do this, then <laughs> he can do it too. And uh, we're in a good way in that way.
1: Well, that's the, the yin and the yang where you you guys do do work so well and, and Stephen as a songwriter, you know where do you pull that inspiration from and where, where do you, where does your storytelling come from?
2: 80s and 90s radio country i mean by and large you know that's what i grew up listening to is just whatever was on in my dad's truck you know growing up and and i as i got older i started looking for who was writing those songs you know when i was growing up it was whoever was singing it was just you know it was a george Strait song or it was a whoever you know and then as i got older i I started you know, I got more interested in songwriting. I started paying attention to who's writing these, these things, you know, and, um, you know, my, my favorite songwriter is this guy named Dean Dillon, who has written, I don't know, some, some ridiculous number of number one hits for George Strait. Like, it's like 39. He's like, he's written like 20 or 30 number one hits. I don't know. It's something ridiculous. Just like, for George Strait. Just for and George Strait. Like, that's not on, that's Over. on, like, he wrote Tennessee Whiskey. Like, get, get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, this guy's, he's. He's ridiculous, and he's and he's my favorite songwriter by far. But I didn't know he was my favorite songwriter until much later, because all I knew were the George Strait songs I grew up listening to, right? And so, you know, I was thirty-five or something before I even knew who Dean Dillon was. So, uh, so, but yeah, as I got, I mean, I, so I, I really, most of my inspiration comes from, yeah, like eighties and nineties country. But I, I've always loved. I, I like I like story songs a lot. You know those are those are my i've always been some of my favorites you know and i i grew up on songs like you know, like in lonesome dove the, the, the garth brooks song you yeah. know or like marina del rey which is you know an old george Strait song like these are the these story songs that really like i don't know they spoke to me growing up i i, I could put myself there in the story you know and i guess as a you know as, a, as an adult now as a writer i guess that makes a lot of sense you know like in the stories but yeah i drew from those and um And then, you know, I had some kind of, I I mean, I had other influences too. Like I was a child of the nineties, you know, I, I went to middle school and high school in the nineties. And so I did, I listened to Nirvana and and Pearl Jam and, you know, Rage Against the Machine. Like, I mean, I I really absorbed a lot of music, you know, and I, I think that across the board though, it's always been like, who's writing like something honest. Like I had an innate ability, I think, even though I didn't verbalize it that way, I think I was drawn to like the honesty and the writing, you know, I could, I could kind of had a sense for it, even like as a, at a young age, you know?
1: Well, and, and what I've been able to hear of, of the album is, has been, been really cool to, to see what you've been able to draw. And before I get, even get to the, to the album, you know, it's not, it's not just you two now. I mean, you guys can go play, you know, kind of duo sets, <laughs> but you guys have been able to build out the band. What's, what's that been like to have, six people show up or or more, if you can get, you know, a fiddler here or there or whatever you need.
2: Yeah. So here's, I'm going to say this real quick and I'm going to let Phil talk, but I'm going to say like, Phil is the social hub Mm -hmm. and we are all just spokes on that hub.
3: And
1: (laughs) this,
2: and I tell people this, you know, sometimes it's like this band is Phil's band. Like all of the people in this band, Phil found them and he brought them all together, myself included, you know, like, so, I mean, Really, I, I need so much credit. Again, the yin and the yang here, because there's no way I could have put a band together. Every time I've tried to hire someone for the band, it's not gone well. Like, I hire the <laughs> worst people, and Phil hires the best people every time. So how did, how'd you do it, Phil? Fill us in.
3: Yeah.
2: And, uh, I wonder where that comes
3: from, of just picking the right people. Yeah. I, I have to think... I mean, I, I picked players from... Unfortunate for my life and from people who, you know, it's kind of that Willie Nelson thing, Willie Nelson family. You want people who are good musicians and you want people who are also good people. People always say, like, yeah, there's a lot of good musicians, but who do you want to ride in the van with for 11 hours? Because, <laughs> yeah. like, like, our our lead guitar player, Devin... Like, we were both talking the other day, like, yeah, we'll drive with Devin anytime. Like, anytime. I, it'd be great. To, like Four hours in the car with Devin, like, that, that'll be a great time. That sounds awesome. And then, like, yeah. and then <laughs> now that, like, time has progressed, he was, you know, mostly bluegrass guitarist who loved listening to country music and needed that opportunity to be like, hey, you're a kick-ass guitarist. What if you learn these songs and, and then had a chance to stretch your kind of muscles that way? And he, Oh, that's kind of what I needed. And he didn't even know that's what he needed. Kind of same thing with our drummer, where he was a jazz and he'd been playing with an indie pop kind of group. We called him last minute about an hour before a gig once <laughs> after another drummer canceled. And I think Stephen would tell it good, but you know, after two songs, Stephen's like, "You're you're you're the one. You, you don't, don't want to, don't, don't, go don't go anywhere. <laughs> don't go anywhere, buddy. Like <laughs> you're going to be all the gigs coming forward. <laughs> yeah, thank like, God that guy canceled. Yeah,
2: thank God. Uh,
3: <laughs> and he was on a date with his now fiance we're
2: like (laughs) we pulled him away. we pulled him away i was like "Uh, here's 200
3: bucks man we need to shop right now i was like i I need the 200 bucks man and it was like one of their first dates yeah it was like it was like their second or third date she's a musician also she plays in the band now now she's also in the band and she does uh a lot a lot of great singing both lead in harmony singing and uh, (laughs) a little bit of music so it was meant to be for
1: for those two
3: (laughs) yeah meant to be for those two and uh you know we, our steel guitar player who we played with—the one of them we found on Craigslist. <laughs> on Craigslist. Needed someone hired us for a, a gig and said we must have steel guitar. We hadn't carried a steel guitar, so it's like, well, we gotta have a steel guitar. I told this guy we're gonna have it, and uh, so we and and our other guitar player who we play with—I went to summer camp with him. So I've I've just been pals are very important to me, and having good pals is always really important, and having those good people around is really important. So. I think that's one thing that's rubbed off on Steven and has continued to guide me as, you know, times are up and down, but if you have good pals, you can usually weather the storm.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, it goes back to that Willie Nelson and family thing. Willie you, Nelson and family. You got real, you got family.
3: It's gotta be like that. It's Willie Nelson and family. It's like, what happened? Yeah. It was tough for Willie Nelson before he was Willie Nelson
2: and family. And I mean, I, I have to say like, you know, this, and this kind of calls back to the, the the yin and yang thing but i mean i i feel like i've learned so much from phil just from being his friend you know he's taught me how to be a better friend i mean i've watched him be that social hub and how he you know just how he treats his friendships you know and 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 the way he is with his with his friends i mean i've learned so much you know on a personal level just from watching and being a part of that you know so i mean yeah there's just we can't overstate it i don't think you know just how important our our friendship is you know Now, yes. um, yeah. without without our friendship there's there is no Western Express
1: like so much and then, much of and it then that means it. there's uh no lunatics lovers and saints which I mean which is, is dropping yeah. or lovers and poets um so w- when this will be out by the time the your album will be out by the time this airs so what can folks expect on it
2: you want to go
3: first? Yeah. I, I, I do really think Steven hit the nail on the head with uh, Bordertown Honky Tonk. <laughs> I don't have quite the uh, the album list, the, the track list in my brain of how what goes after what, but I feel like it's a nice journey of kind of hardcore Honky Tonk. We're out there to that wispy, we're in the desert. Where are we? What's happening? Did we take something? <laughs> uh, to lose our mind oh wait we, we found our mind again okay here's a whiskey shot okay <laughs> things didn't work out here's a sad song okay things are back we're celebrating okay we're back to the the kind of uh, ethereal and, and, there's and,
2: there, and, there, and there's a song about a quesadilla and
3: and there's a song about a quesadilla classic <laughs> Classic country novelty song.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to say, I mean, that does pretty much go with the flow of the track list. as I, I pulled it up. Nice. I mean, you lead off with Honky Tonk Saints, you know, like number four is Trust Me, You Can't Trust Me. You know, you know, then you finish on Quesadilla mamacitas. So, I mean, yeah, that, that's a hell of a journey. Whoa,
2: literally a song about a quesadilla. So that's you ask what they can expect. They can for sure expect that. <laughs>
1: In the in the title, obviously I screwed it up, but it's lunatics, lovers, and poets. Yeah. I don't know where in the world saints came from, but you know, right yeah, a tonk saints. Yeah, it, was,
2: it wasn't that <laughs> so, surprising to me.
1: Uh, but but where did the 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 album title come from? Because a lot of times you'll either it'll either be you know the band's name or the person's name or maybe a song from the 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 album. So how how did you guys settle on this as as the album's title?
2: Yeah, we didn't really settle on it. I just told Phil what it was going to be. <laughs> And then he told me why. And I didn't take, I mean, I didn't
3: have. I, I, anytime I I have a creative objection, I'll voice it. But I rarely, I, I rarely have a objection. I'll ask why. But I, I, it's usually pretty thought out. I will yeah. say that. And this one is as thought out as any other one.
2: Yeah, I I don't know exactly how I found it, but it's uh it's a, a reference to A Midsummer Night's Dream, the Shakespeare play. Um, so there's a. There's a monologue that Theseus gives. or he's he's talking he says the lunatic, the lover, and the poet all have a similar imagination, you know, and the you know, the lunatic, everything is frantic, you know, and, and the lover he'll 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 see beauty in an ugly woman, you know, and the poet he'll just dream something of that doesn't exist and pull it out of the wispy air, you know. They have this they all kind of share this sort of crazed, you know, imagination and and it really it it resonated with me immediately, and I, I don't remember how I found it or how I came across it. I, I mean, I had a copy of the book, but I I don't know if I was just if I just pulled it out one day or maybe I saw it on Instagram or something. That seems more likely. Um, <laughs> but but I like I knew and and it, for me it fits so well because you know in addition to writing you know the poet side and the lover side, if you listen to the music, there's plenty of themes of love, and I, I draw from real life experience. You know, my love life has been everything from elated to just a complete mess. You know, at different times, Phil's been through every phase of all of those. And then, but then the the whole lunatic part for me is, um, you know, my I've had my own struggles and victories at times with mental health and mental illness, and something that I advocate for, you know, pretty strongly. I, I try to be vocal about, you know, the openness and talking about it and trying to remove the stigma about. Mental illness, um, you know, and and so it just so much, you know. If you listen to the themes of the songs, you know, I, I use the word crazy through two or three different times throughout the songs, you know. And I don't, it's not heavy-handed, but the the themes are there, you know. I think if if you kind of know what to listen for, and I wanted that, you know. I wanted a, I wanted scope, you know. I wanted it to be more like an art project, not just like here's here's some songs that I wrote, you know. Like I, I really, I. All of it, really, to me, I, I wanted it to kind of be, you know, like a cohesive art project,
1: you know. Well, I was going to say, it does take you on, on that journey. And I feel like it's got a, a good balance. Like like Phil, um, Phil said there, you know, you, you go on this journey and it, it could even be, you know, y'all's life journey. I mean, from the honky tonk saints talking about going to church basically with these <laughs> legends. And then, you know, even to, you know, you, trust me, you can't trust me. I'm, I'm sure that probably has happened in a, at some point in, in someone's life and, you oh, know, yeah. all the way down to, like I said, I'm guessing there might've been someone that you just loved and wanted to call your quesadilla mama. <laughs> yeah, that was,
2: that was my friend, Jess. She, she texted me one day and asked me if I'd write her a song about a quesadilla and I, I heard the hook in my head right away, and I knew exactly, I was like, this song, it's written, and it took me like an hour, you know, so that one, it was just, I I, I wasn't so sold on including it on the record, Phil Phil had to convince me, that was one of his, and our producer, and our producer, yeah, that was one of Phil's creative objections, I listened, (laughs) I, I believe in that. One great TikTok video, and we're gonna
3: be <laughs> we're gonna be talking to the equivalent of Walter Cronkite on our next interview. Like, I believe, I believe people love that song. Like, I want Katie Couric. Yeah, people people love that song, especially people who like aren't musicians and like, yeah don't just yeah. like music that makes them feel good. they, yeah. they love that song. Yeah. It's cool. It's cool to see people <laughs> well, really want to hear
1: it. And I was going to say, I mean, even, you know, the the lead song and one of, one of your singles, basically, Honky Tonk Saints, you weren't sure about that one either, were you? <laughs> I wasn't
2: sure about it. Um, so we we decided to work with John Evans to produce our record, who's a childhood hero of mine and someone I was really excited to work with. And when we first started out, I I, I had put together some demos, like just acoustic demos. And I was like, John, you know, like, here's our budget, you know, like, I think, what do you think we're about doing five songs? You know, and five seemed like it was something we could do in a reasonable amount of time. Neither Phil nor I had ever really been a part of, like, a real recording project. I mean, we had been in the studio a few times. I more than Phil, but not much more, you know. I mean, and I... But I'd always just kind of done it myself, and, and, and the results were mixed. Um, but John's a, John's a pro. I mean, he's been doing this for 20-something years, you know. He's not a... He's no slouch. Like he's there to work, you know, and he's there to he's there to get the project done, you know. And so I sent him, you know, my top five songs or whatever, six songs maybe. I think I might have given him six. You know, here's an extra option. And Honky Tonk Saints was not in that list, you know. And he said, he's like, dude, you need a full record. Like, let's do. We need to do a full record. Like, we'll do the whole track list or whatever. And so I sent him eight, and. And Honky Tonk Saints, I think, was number eight. Like, I think I numbered them in, like, number of importance or the way I saw. And I think Honky Tonk Saints was number eight. Because I just kind of saw it as this, like, silly novelty song at the time, you know. I, I don't think, I didn't see its potential. And uh, and John's like, you're crazy, dude. Like, this song. <laughs> 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 and now, yeah, like you said, it's the it's the first single. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I can't always listen only to myself. I got to listen to people, you know. I listen to other people
1: sometimes too so well and they come up with good ideas and and but and too what was it like working with 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 you know john you know for those that don't you know rockabilly star done, done a lot of amazing things what was it like working with him and being able to produce this album
3: i will say to go on what we were just talking about and i think answer your question too like hunky sams wasn't the same as we had played it Right. for years uh, and we had had this inclination like, let's change the feel let's kind of and he took that and ran with it to like another level we yeah. changed even changed some of the lyrics and structure of the song
2: yeah
3: and um and that that's kind of an example like we had we were we made the first step i think probably about a month or two before like what if we changed it from this johnny cash kind of feel song to a, a 70s wayland kind of vibe and he just took that we had made one decision he made a 100 decisions in the time <laughs> it took us to make one decision yeah and that was kind of the story of working with him. I, I felt like I would have an idea and he I'd be like, What about this? He's like, Yeah, I'm thinking that too, but what about these other ten things we're also gonna do after that? I'm like, Oh, okay. So that's what it means to like be a producer. <laughs> yeah. You don't have like one idea, you make a lot of decisions that are good quickly. Yeah. And then like move on. And if you don't and that way I guess if something doesn't work out, you will go in the and sit and re record it and make some more decisions, but You just move quickly and believe in your instinct, believe in yourself, and believe in the people you have around you you're hiring uh, to make the music. And and you can move mountains pretty quick. I mean, recorded four or five days, the whole album. Half the album was basically recorded in eight hours at one point in one day. (laughs) Wonderful session player, Scott Davis, come in, and it was it was really cool just being in there, absorbing, absorbing, watching how this process is done. Because, we, yeah, we went to the studio uh, and tried to do things on our own, and those tracks won't be released. No, they <laughs> won't. They're buried. <laughs> they're, 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 they're buried, buried somewhere deep, yeah. deep down in the yeah. darkness. Somewhere
2: on the Google Drive, just buried. Not, Don't need to be heard. Yeah. It was not good. Yeah, no, Not I, even on TikTok? <laughs> not even on TikTok, no. <laughs> it was bad. No. I, would, no, I want something successful on TikTok, Jonathan. Uh, yeah I mean That's I think sorry. Phil I, I agree with so much what Phil said and I think that that really the decision making was a big lesson for me and I think for Phil too is that, like we we realize like okay a big part of this is just making decisions you know and it's, it's and, and it's having I think the knowledge and the wisdom and the experience that John has to like Phil said like he's got to not make one like he has a lot to make and And I felt because of how much trust I have in John, because I know his, I know his history and I know how good he is. I felt very, even as someone who has such strong opinions about his own art, I felt 1000% comfortable handing him the reins. And when I, when, when something came up that I didn't like, I would just speak up and he listened and he, he did what I asked, you know ultimately i mean i didn't have to do that more than twice or three times you know <laughs> i felt so comfortable handing him the reins you know and i i was there to learn as much as anything you know because i have n- we we have not mastered the studio you know by any means like we have a lot of learning and growing to do in the studio Good you know thing. so i mean we've learned a lot even since then yeah. um, but but we have a lot we still have a lot of learning to do and i'm excited that makes me excited you know we've I was just talking to John a few days ago. Um, I, I heard uh, one of the one of our songs. I guess it's Honky Tonk Saints. You know, it'd been on the radio a couple of times, and I'd heard it once or twice. And I called him up, and I was like, "Like, can I cuss on this thing? Are we allowed to cuss? I don't know." Yeah, yeah. we're, we're <laughs> drinking, so yes. Because <laughs> I, I was like, I called him. I was like, "This thing sounds fucking great on the radio, dude." <laughs> But in that conversation, we also talked about like we're already planning when are we going when are we going to get in the studio again? Like, what if we could get in in January? You know, and I mean, this time it's like it would be awesome if we could get in there and Phil and I could be a little bit more hands on, you know, and apply what we have already learned and allow John to keep continue sort of mentoring us in that way. I mean, God, what what an amazing what amazing person to have, you know, to as your mentor, especially a studio mentor. I mean, he's so good, you know, and I, I feel really lucky. To, to have had <laughs> had him in our corner
1: you know well so. the, the record turned out out great i mean i, I you know i got to listen to, to it you know before we, we talked and i mean it just like i said it's got a hell of a flow i mean whether it's a kind of a slower song you know a little more heartfelt to you know something that you can definitely see in the dance hall getting everyone out there dancing i mean you can tell there's a, a lot put into it, and some great storytelling along the way.
2: Oh, thanks! I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah.
1: And you know, you as as we kind of wrap this up, you know, with you mentioned, you know, the the album's dropping. You, you've got that. What's what's next for y'all? What you got? Still, you know, a couple months left of 2022. What are you guys hoping to to do the rest of the way?
2: I gotta write. We got. We got to put out another record. I need. I need three more songs. So I'm gonna. I'm, like, I'm gonna try to put my head down and get something on the page. You know. Uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for,
3: for that, and I'm excited for opportunities, doors that are a little bit more open to us that we haven't had open, places we can call now that I think wouldn't give us the time of day. Rightfully so, a year ago. It was good, we didn't get those opportunities because it made us hungry, it made us work harder and write better and play better and let us know where we were. And and to play shows at uh, places like the Continental Club in Houston and uh, Flores Country Store in Helotis and talking about little runs here and there, contemplating going to Nashville and going out to West Texas and just people taking us a little more seriously because it takes a little while in this town for people to really Take you seriously, and it took us a while to be deserving of being taken seriously, and so
2: we're we're getting close to that point, and and that feels great. Yeah, I mean, I'm excited about the idea of just being able to like be a real working musician. who You know, and it's like we get to like go do this as our job, and we're gonna we're making a living, and we're getting by, and we're doing our thing, and we're playing our music the way we want to play it, and we're actually getting to like do this life as a working musician that. I'm excited for that, you know, and we're, we're well on our way, I think at this point. And so that, that to me, you know, it's that, it's that whole part I started out with, which is I've hated every job I've ever had, you know, except this one, like, this is the only one that I don't get tired of doing. Um, I'll answer emails. I don't care. I hate emails. I'm like, I got to do it. Let's do it. You know, let's answer emails.
1: Yeah. Well, I, I, I was going to say. I mean, it seems to be be working out, and you finally have a job you you, you enjoy, and you guys are, are doing great. Like I said, the album uh, is out as as we were when this drops is out. You've got music videos out. I mean, things are moving in the right direction. Things are
2: moving. We're we're, I, we're excited. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. We're
1: we were just talking
2: yesterday about like you know it's like we, we made a couple of mistakes here and there. It's like sure, okay, we made some mistakes, but it's like dude, we it's like it's still moving. You know, this feels great to, to be, this is a fun ride. I mean, we're both in our thirties. I mean, I think being able to kind of wake up at what, 35, 39 yeah. and just kind of reinvent, you know, what we want to do next in our lives. And, and it's, I mean, what a, what a gift, you know? And I mean, no one gets to do that. Yeah. <laughs> we're stubborn and chasing our dreams. We stubborn.
3: Like we're going to do that. <laughs> That's what we're going to do. I don't care how many PB and J's I got to eat. I don't care. <laughs> How many I will nature hike dates days. I got to go on? I'm gonna do that because I just can't stand to do anything else. Yeah, I hate it. Why else. not? It's like I could. I, if we fail and fall hard enough, we'll do something else. But we might as well try as hard as we can right now. It feels great. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, if for those listening, lunatics, lovers, and poets, it is out now. When this is dropping, you can check out some of their music videos. You can find them on social media, and it is well worth it. Let me tell you, I've listened to it well worth it um I, like i said honky tonk saints is great i trust me you can't trust me is great and i get a chuckle every time i hear uh, mama's in case the but again it's a great storytelling there's a lot of it's real music real lyrics and and steve and phil you guys have, have knocked it out of the park with this one and i appreciate the time
3: oh yeah thank you Thanks, Jonathan. it's good talking to you